Welcome back to Bootability, a weekly interview series about the amazing ability we all have to change our lives and the world if we're brave enough to tap into it. I'm your host, Jihi Jolly. Today we're talking to Brandon Poitras of Dallas, who started practicing SGI Nichiren Buddhism, which is based on the chanting of Nam Myoho Renge Kyo when he was just 12 years old. It's a very moving story, and I'll let Brandon share it himself. But before he does, I invite you to consider any situation you found yourself in where you felt like you couldn't truly be yourself. That's what drove Brandon to seek out chanting, and he quickly discovered that he was seeking approval from other people, which, in Buddhism, means you're seeking happiness outside yourself. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that Buddhability is a potential we all have within us, and happiness doesn't depend on our external environment, but our internal one. It's been nine years since Brandon started his journey, and not only was he able to make great friends, but also create a vision for his life, the clearest one I've ever heard anyone share. Here's Brandon. So my name is Brandon Poitras. Um, I'm 23 years old. I live in the city of Dallas. Um, and uh, what else? What do you do? Oh, I work as a data engineer along with getting my degree in mathematics. Awesome. Are you from Dallas originally? Yep. Born and raised. Oh, D-Town, wow. Triple D. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, so then tell me a little bit like the context of um, how and when and why you started practicing SGI Nichiren Buddhism. Yeah. So about, you know, when I was like 12 in middle school, uh, I remember having like a lot of difficulty making friends and yeah, I just felt like this lingering feeling like I couldn't be myself. And um like there's this one episode I remember like consistently like I'd always be at the butt end of the the lunch table, you know, mm-hmm. and I wanted to, you know, I since I had hard trouble making friends, I mean, I had just this one group that I felt somewhat accepted me. So but I was always at the end and, you know, I just kind of felt um yeah to change who I was. I remember like I was like Googling like how to be funny, you know, because. Oh, oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, I just felt like I wasn't, you know, a good per like just I I couldn't be myself. I was like too weird or whatever. Hmm. And um, actually, you know, this feeling started to get worse. And um, I always kind of felt like this consistent, like, um, you know, I was always degrading my own life. And um, actually, it started to impact my grades. And actually, I even wrote a suicide letter in seventh grade. Because of this, because I started to really thinking about, you know, is it really worth living? You know, at the age of 12, right? So, you know, my my mom, you know, who I'm forever grateful for, you know, she she started, you know, she's always chanted. And I've always been to, you know, the different Buddhist activities, Sokugakai Buddhist activities. She'd always bring me when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were nice, but... I never really resonated with like what they're doing. I kind of was like, okay with life. But, you know, I started to really think, you know, maybe, you know, I should just, you know, give it a try and just see if it'll really help me feel like happy, you know, maybe there's something to it. And, um, you know, this was when I really started to chant. 
on my own in seventh grade. Hmm. Wow. Oh my gosh. First of all, thank you for, for sharing. So this was, I guess what you're 22 now. So exactly 10 years. 23. Ago. Yeah. Oh, 23. Okay. So just so about uh, nine years, nine years. Yeah. Ago. Yeah. Nine years ago. I see. Um, Wow. I, I mean, I, I hearing you say that, the like Googling, I can't, I mean, I think so many people do that kind of thing and no one admits it, you know, like yeah. even adults, I don't think it's like just, right. just at the age of 12 of, yeah, <laughs> social relationships are so difficult and you can Google anything these days and it's just not right. like that kind of desperate seeking. I, I totally hear you. Um, yep. So then when you started chanting, um, how did it feel like how did you jump in was it what was the experience like for you initially yeah um so I think this time when I really started to chant because I was chanting with this intention and this purpose that you know I could feel happy and overcome this issue and and like make friends and um yeah I think I started to feel a lot more you know empowered and I also received this book from a good friend. Um, it's called Discussions on Youth. And mm. um, they were recommending it to me. And I remember like I was in sixth grade and I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, and then seventh <laughs> grade, I started to open it on my own. And I remember I was reading you know, this one quote. And yeah, so if it's okay, I like to share it. So yeah, it, it goes... So it says, even if you think you're hopeless and incapable, I know you're not. I have not the slightest doubt that each of you has a mission. Though others may disparage you, please know that I respect you. I believe in you. No matter what circumstances you now face, I have absolute confidence that a wonderful future awaits you. Each time you fall down, just get back up. If you can pick yourselves up, you can move forward. You are young. Now is the time for challenge and construction. Now is the time to begin some endeavor. And I remember, you know, before then I was trying to always have some kind of motivation. You know, I look up on YouTube, like motivational videos, like to kind of push. And I, I would repeat it through that. But then I, I just felt like it didn't really, for me, it it motivate me for a short time. But then I wouldn't be motivated. And then, you know, I started to read this book when I was challenging a lot and you know, I felt I haven't even met this guy, but he believes in me more than the people in my environment, you know, mm. like the people at school. And I think because of that, like, I just felt in my heart I could really trust him because at that point in time, I was like, who who can I open up to? You know, I'm like the only, you know, I felt so alone. You know, I just had my parents um, and just this book, you know, no one else wanted to, no one accepted me for who I was, I felt. Well, it's wild, actually, because that exact quote somebody shared in last week's episode. Um, and I I know and love that quote so much as well, because I love discussions on youth. And it's it's just wild, like, if you don't mind us unpacking this for a second, because that message of like someone telling you that they believe in you, that it can impact so many different people of so many different ages in different parts of the country is pretty wild, you know, Um so I, I'm just wondering, you know, like what I'm hearing you say is that you were in a place where like no one in your environment was giving you that message. Like, hey, it's OK to be you. I believe in you. Let's do this. But um, what was your inner dialogue like at the time? You know, like 
how did how are you sort of talking to yourself or like feeling about yourself because like one input is the people around us but then in buddhism a lot of it is also like how you see yourself matters does that make sense yeah and i think this was kind of like once i started chanting um so i started to believe in myself right i think like i was chanting and starting to feel a lot more you know confident in myself and then also reading this book um discussions on youth um and, you know, I kept, you know, I was able to, thankfully, I was able to have this kind of transformation where I recognized the dignity of my own life. So I think the next thing was, you know, I wanted to have good friends. I wanted to have close friends. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I was at that age, I my mom always told me, you know, you can chant for anything. So I was like, okay, I want to chant for good friends. And I remember I was, when I was reading the book, there was this other quote and that uh, the author Daisaku Ikeda mentions. He says, if some of you feel that you don't have any close friends right now, please don't worry. Just decide that the reason you don't have any now is so that you can have wonderful friends in the future. Concentrate your energies now on becoming fine people. So I remember, um, you know, it was kind of like a year, like a year passes, eighth grade, and there's an opportunity um, at the Sokogakai Buddhist Center to do this, uh, to be part of what's called brass band, which is just all young men. I just felt like I could really, like they, they didn't just care. They weren't superficial or like I could feel they genuinely, of course, you know, cared about what they were trying to do and what, but they really care about my life. And they, they just seemed like good people and like fun to hang out with. You know, I felt like I could really, you know, be myself. And Mm -hmm. so I think kind of going back, so I had this opportunity, right? I was beating, you know, but at the same time, you know, I started to participate more in SG activities and kind of meet all different types of people that I felt like they were really genuine, you know, like they, they really were, you know, I felt like they were like the best people I've ever met because they really cared about other people. And of course, you know, I felt like they cared about my life and they wanted me to succeed, you know, and I couldn't seem to find that in high school. But, you know, I kind of realized at that time, you know, I mean, it, the quote, going back to the quote, you know, it, Daisaku Ikeda encourages to encourages us to become fine people, you know, and mm-hmm. to not worry if we don't have it. So I've decided to concentrate my energies on that. And, you know, freshman, sophomore year, I was bullied a lot. Um, and, you know, it was kind of this group, this brass band group that... uh yeah, help me overcome that and learn how to really be a good friend. And, you know, fast forward to my senior year, I became someone my freshman year where, um, yeah, no one wanted to talk to me. I was pretty much an outsider. And then senior year, you know, people were very comfortable to coming up to me. They wanted to, they felt I was a good person to be around. And, you know, they actually would even open up about their own challenges and ask for my advice, you know, as a friend. So, Um, I felt this, this for me, being able to transform to becoming someone where I was so, I needed to change who I was to be accepted by others. And then my senior year, because of chanting and because of, you know, studying this book by Saku Ikeda, Discussions on Youth, I felt like I could be confident in myself, but at the same time too, I could really be that same person for others. So, mm. Oh my gosh, that's what an amazing story. Thank you for sharing. And 
also at such a young age to that's like a huge transformation from freshman year to senior year. Um, I, I would like like to dig in a little bit if you're if you're OK with it, because um, I remember us talking on the phone about this. And, and it sounds like what you're what you're bringing up now is that you shifted from someone that was seeking approval from other people, meaning like if I change or I act this way, then maybe they'll accept me um, to someone who was able to believe in themselves and like become confident as themselves. But do you remember when you realized that that's what was really going on? Like um, in terms of seeking approval and like, did you have to consciously think about, okay, so I need to really change this or challenge this or did it happen naturally? I'm just thinking from the perspective of someone who's currently going through it. If they're like, sounds great for you, but I still don't feel that way, you know? Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, I think um, I think I would just see the difference between when I was at the Dallas Sokogakai Buddhist Center and I was around my friends, how I how I and you know I, how I felt, hmm. and then I'd go back to you know middle school, high school, and I wouldn't feel that way. So I started a question, you know, why do I have to change myself? like to be around these people. And then I kind of, you know, that kind of led to the question and through learning about what it, you know, what seeking happiness outside oneself means in Buddhism, you know, and learning that ultimately we in our lives, like have everything we need to be happy. So I kind of realized from then, well, it doesn't, it hurt, it, you shouldn't seek happiness out because it's, it's not there, you know? And Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I just kind of, it was just kind of a natural progression. You know, I started to just kind of, you know, I'm very, like, I question a lot, you know. Um, and because of that questioning, I want to to understand. So, yeah, I mean, that was just kind of like a natural, I just kind of was a natural process for me um, to just kind of question it. And then, yeah, just see, observe my environment. So, mm, yeah, 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 I understand. Um, and I, I'm also curious, I mean, I, this might be a weird question, but like, how do I say this? Who did you discover yourself to be? So if you're like this kid that like thinks, oh, I need to be funny, I need to be this way or that way. And then you start to become comfortable with yourself. Like, did you discover any interests or hobbies or dreams or just aspects of yourself that you were like, this is who I am and I'm excited about this? Yeah, yeah. So I think I've always been a little like weird. <laughs> um, and that was kind of something that um, I always felt, I mean, to kind of go back, I always kind of felt I was too weird for the group. And I think even even freshman year or sophomore year. Um, so I think that was kind of one trait. Like I kind of was like, well, you know, I don't think I can really change that, you know. Mm-hmm. And I kind of think like if you kind of think about it, like a lot of weird people, they make, you know, they're some of the funniest or they make some of the most, the greatest advances because they, they think differently, right? Yeah. So I remember like reading about, you know, the concept of cherry plum, peach and damson, which essentially mm-hmm. that just means that whoever you are, you know, no matter what your personality type is, you know, whatever, you know, things you like, we're all different, right? But we each have, you know, the bootability within us. We all have the potential to be absolutely happy. It's not something outside oneself. We don't need a, we don't need to change ourselves, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, just the kind of discovering, 
just that and then yeah i mean i mean of course i liked other things too and actually i um you know this this was something that really helped in high school so i i enjoyed dancing you know and um so actually my my junior year um so i'd go to dance battles and stuff and um there was this group called um like a dance group that was kind of around the the Dallas Fort Worth area and I was like hey because they were having it at different high schools I was like hey I want to start it at my high school hmm. and then I started it my junior year and I'd go to the lunch I'd go to lunch there's about maybe 400 500 kids I'd pick up a microphone and a speaker be like hey come dance with us come sign up for the club we meet every Wednesday and that's pretty like out you know especially for high school like because people can judge you and, you know, things like that. And, and yeah, I was so nervous, like, honestly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think through that, I mean, I had that passion of dance. And, you know, through that, I kind of realized, too, that, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We, we kind of get so caught up with, like, ourselves, you know, and and what our appearance is. And, you know, actually, I had a lot of good uh, feedback. And then... You know, even people that weren't dancing, like I met so many different, you know, all different types of people, like, you know, the real jockey guys, you know, that they're like complete the opposite of me. And they're like, you know, I have a lot of respect for you. Like, I couldn't do that. And it just kind of realized, you know, like we're not maybe so different after all. Like we all have similar struggles. So mm, yeah. I love that. That's yeah, that's an awesome example and story, too, um, because this comes up a lot on the on the podcast but i think um in some senses like the the simplest way to describe bootability or like what this process is that we go through of human revolution or inner transformation is really like becoming more yourself and it's really hard mm -hmm. to do that like it's very easy to just kind of be stuck in oh i don't like this about myself i like this about myself i can't change end of story yeah. you know so that's yeah. really awesome I, I thank you for sharing that that example too um okay so so it sounds like what you're saying is that you had this like huge transformation in high school and you changed from someone who was really worried about what people thought to like someone who learned to really enjoy their life so mm -hmm. um based on that transformation like what did you decide to to challenge next because it sounds like now you have some confidence also in buddhism and that it can be applied to different situations yeah yeah. So fast forward, I graduate high school. Um, you know, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Um, I enrolled in community and yeah, I mean, I was kind of figuring out what I wanted to do. And, um, and then I kind of like, I've always, you know, had, you know, um, needed to support myself financially, you know, like paying for school. Right. I think that's something that's big. And I remember, you know, I've kind of worked throughout high school, you know, different regular high school jobs. And I told myself, you know, if I work, I want it to be related to what I wanted to do. And, you know, I, you know, I work in IT. So and I wanted to do like something technology related. Mm -hmm. So I, um, you know, I had a little card that I wrote down in front of my altar and I chanted um, you know, that I would be able to, to, uh, to achieve that, you know, I could go to school and then I could work. 
um, in technology. And then actually fast forward, this is in, um, I don't know, like uh, maybe 20, late 2017. Um, I, I go for it. So actually I get a recommendation from a friend um, and my friend told me, hey, my friend is a recruiter at this place. Um, and they sold like, they, it would be like a call center, like health, healthcare job. I was like, eh, it's not really what I wanted, but I'll just go there anyway. So I go there in person. I fill out the form. I meet with the recruiter and she tells me, oh, you have, um, computer science, what you're studying. I was like, yeah, well, we have an opening at this technology company and yeah, we, you know, we had one person, you know, they decided to decline the offer for the job and there's an opening. Would you like to interview for it? I was like, yeah, sure. So she's like, okay, you need to take this technolo technological assessment and then we'll bring out the managers to interview you. And I feel like that was, I don't know, at the time that was like my hardest interview. They're asking me these questions. I'm mostly saying no, like I haven't done it before. But I show some kind of, you know, aptitude, like, and through, through, you know, through chanting before, you know, maybe I was, show, I, I was showing some aptitude, like I could learn it. And, and, you know, I felt like, you know, at the end of it, like they walk out, I feel like, man, there's no way I'm getting the job. And then the recruiter comes back and she's like, oh, you know, they made an offer. Can you start Monday? And it was a Friday. So, wow. you, be, you know. So I was like, oh, my goodness, you know, <laughs> uh, and I started this job and that's probably it was probably one of the most funnest uh, IT jobs. Um, and I was able to learn a lot. And and I still had this idea that I could, you know, if I, you know, if I have to work, I'm going to make it related to what I want to do. Mm -hmm. So fast forward. um, you know, I work this job and then I move on to some different roles and I'm still going to school. Um, and then come actually last year, um, I was able to kind of have an opportunity to be, to get a promotion at a, um, different company and they actually started to deal with, um, databases and I felt that was kind of cool. You know, um, I kind of liked the, yeah, just, I don't know, the aspect of data and, you know, the power it has. And um, we kind of helped to do some of like the small work. But I, there was this other team um, that I wanted to be on. They were really hands-on. They were really technical. And I asked, um, hey, could I, you know, be on that team? And then, you know, they're like, sorry, we don't have any openings and this like that. And then this is actually in March, um, yeah, I don't know, May 2020. Um, mm -hmm. You know, actually, I was let go, you know, from the position. And, you know, I was kind of like, why? Um, why did it happen to me? And things like that. And, yeah, so that's kind of when I went back to Channing and, and studying. Mm. By this time, I've... Not I've read the discussions on youth and was reading different books by Daisaku Ikeda. One called The New Human Revolution, which talks about 
um, how the Sokogakai, you know, international third president Daisaku Ikeda was able to, you know, share this Buddhism and work for the happiness of humanity, not just in Japan, but across the world. And, and I felt like he, just his behavior was so inspiring to me. So I decided I was going to, um, you know, start reading it. I was going to read one through 10 by the end of the year. Um, so Volumes that's, I think it's about 10, that's 10 books. Yeah, just for so anyone. it's about <laughs> maybe 300 pages a book. So about 3,600. Um, so maybe you could do it like in, in 50, if you read 15 pages a day. So I was, I was doing that and that kind of helped me. Of course, chanting, um, was, was chanting a lot more and, you know, this was kind of result, you know, I kind of took a little break from work, was doing mostly school, kind of figuring out what I wanted to do. Um, and then the following year, you know, I decided to, to go back into work. And I remember I got this, you know, I started working at this company. And, you know, I totally forgot about last year because it was just kind of a bad experience, something I didn't want to remember. And my boss comes up to me. He's like, hey, we need someone that knows how to, you know, kind of mess with databases and things like that. We know you don't have that much experience, but we feel you'd be a good, maybe a good fit. You can try it out, see if you like it. Hmm. And I was like, yeah, sure. And I mean, at the time, I didn't really recognize it like as that. But then when I started to really dig into it, I was like, oh, wow, this was something I was wanting to do last year. So the exact thing. And I realized that, you know, back then, I think I didn't really have the maturity or kind of the seriousness in terms of, you know, kind of my work and my life, you know, because I'm a very, you know, I think as being weird, I, I mean, I think many people that do know me, they know I like to joke around and sometimes I joke around too much. Got so, it. but I mean, I joke, I, you know, I, I wasn't taking my work seriously. And I think in some sense. I think this is strictly speaking, maybe I wasn't taking like the seriousness about my own life and my own goals. Right. So, so fast forward, you know, so this is like, um, what is this? Like maybe May, May of 2021. So pretty recently, um, yeah, I'm, I'm working on this and then I'm able to kind of produce some results that, you know, the company likes and I was offered full time, you know, which was great. I was like, I think my fu first full-time, because I've always worked as contractor, that was my first full-time opportunity. Um, mm. And I'm still getting my degree, you know, just part-time. And then I'm also, I'm getting this industry experience, which is something I wanted, you know. Um, and it kind of correlates to really what I want to do. Like my, what's my goal in 2030? What's my goal in 2040? Um so yeah, it was, I think, really an opportunity and kind of a big, um, something big that happened, you know, I felt because of chanting and, and studying and uh, supporting others too, you know, and hearing what their dreams are, what their goals, what are they struggling with, and then just being a good friend to them. So, mm. Wow, yeah, yeah, that's a very exciting experience. And when, when you say... Um, your goals towards 2030, 2040, does that mean that you already know what you want to do or you have a sense of what your, your future? Yeah, I have, I have a sense. So, um, would you like to hear them? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, so I think, so by 2030, I'll be, 
So I'll be 30, yeah, 32, right? I'll be turning 32. So by then, you know, I'll have my degree. And, um, you know, actually, I'd like to have some, so I work as a data engineer. So you can go into data science, which is more like you create the models with using statistics, mathematics. And um, yeah, I'd like to do that. So I have, you know, a few, like maybe about five years of experience by then. Mm. And actually what I want to do is, is get my master's and I want to get it in financial engineering. Um, so I was looking at kind of different colleges, um, the other day, but yeah, so that's the goal. And then actually, um, a little, like maybe 2033 or so to work as a quant at a hedge fund, um, and help kind of make, you know, models for buying or be a desk quant, um, and it's kind of like the opposite, right? You kind of think like, man, these people that Wall Street, man, they're not Buddhist. <laughs> but, you know, I think because of that, like to kind of go in and be able to really advance, you know, to, towards a greater good instead of just making money for like a certain group of people or whatever. But so that's my goal in 2030. So then 2040, I'd like to start my own hedge fund in Dallas. Um, which is a bit, I mean, I think to be quant based, like, cause there's different hedge funds and they have different strategies, right? But to have it be quant based, like in Dallas, I think there's not that many, it'd be kind of groundbreaking. So this, this, you know, I'm always been encouraged, like you should challenge something, right? Mm -hmm. And of course it's not like a blind challenge. Yeah. I mean, we always have to understand the reality, but I think it's not like, you know, because I understand the reality and I, of course I have to you know, prepare for it. But I think with the experiences I've had in this practice, like it's definitely doable um, to really challenge and to achieve my dreams. So by 2480, I would like to do that in Dallas. And then by 2050, I'll be 52. Um, something that actually I, I really think about a lot is, you know, our environment and global warming. Um, and I'm, I kind of always think about, you know, so I live in, I mean, I mean, if you've been to Dallas, you may, I don't know, may have been to the airport or whatever, mm -hmm. but it's very spread out. Most of it, right? You mm -hmm. need a car. Like most, like most of America, right? Um, so actually one thing I really want to do is really kind of in whatever way possible um, with the, just help build like a more walkable Dallas, not just the, the city of Dallas is pretty walkable for the most part, but, you know, kind of the surrounding area. Cause I feel like, you know, through that, of course we have electric cars and kind of my view is like, you know, it's good. Right. But I mean, we can only consume so much and um, yeah, it's just kind of good exercise. And so I haven't thought past then, but you know, that's <laughs> something I really think about. And I think you have to have a lot of money for that. Um, or, you know, and, um, you know, if I, if I am successful, which I will be, that's my determination. Um, I want to really use the money for that and to really, um, yeah, benefit the people that live here. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm blown away that you have your goals planned until 2050. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't think I've ever heard anybody break it down like that. That's amazing. <laughs> um, 
Wow. Yeah. So, okay. Let me let me ask you one follow up question on everything you just shared um, before we kind of move to our closing question, and that is, how do I how do I break this down? Because I, I actually think what you're describing is a very profound and kind of difficult to understand Buddhist concept that people who are new might benefit from, which is that um, uh, the ten worlds in Buddhism. Yeah. So like every experience we have or every aspect of our lives has a really enlightened condition too and so just kind of replaying what you were sharing you know um like when you said that you're funny and sometimes you'll joke around a little too much right and at the same time clearly there's an aspect of your life that's really serious about your goals and your future and so we all have these different kind of feelings and attitudes and behaviors right everybody does um Mm -hmm. But it kind of sounds like you have somehow been able to use each thing for its best potential, which is something we talk about in Buddhism. Does it make sense? So I'm curious, like if you had to break down what this idea of inner transformation or human revolution or like uncovering your Buddhability is for someone who's trying to piece together, like what is the Buddhism part of what you're describing and how you broke through? How would you sort of describe that? Because it kind of sounds like, you you're mm-hmm. doing it and you're you're sharing it like so kind of a matter of factly but it's actually very profound yeah so i'll start with um example so i think i would i would like to think that most people throughout the day they kind of know when they do something that they kind of regret or they don't like right let's mm-hmm. say someone so let's say you live here right someone cut you off on 75 or you can think of any busy highway you know, it's, you know, maybe you get mad or maybe, you know, you get super like, like you start honking, you start screaming, you know, sometimes you may even get out of your car, you know, when it's like t- full trap and then you kind of go back and then you kind of reflect like, man, yeah, I didn't really like what I said. I, I think it could have been put a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when we recognize that, you know, we all have, that's like a, t- you know, maybe a tendency we don't like about ourselves. You know, but there's just some things that kind of, it just like, it comes out like some, something, some, something other than ourselves, something that brings it out. Right. Mm. And, you know, it's not necessarily right. The, the thing, it's not the person that cut you off on the road. It wasn't the other person that, you know, it's not the other thing. It, it's your reaction. Right. And we always, I think we always say like, you know, especially like if you're, on a team or like, you know, they say, oh, you know, just control what you can do. But like how hard, you know, like, have you really tried to do that? Like, <laughs> like it's hard. <laughs> yeah. You can say it in a speech, but yeah, like the day to day, like, man, it's mm-hmm. so hard. Like, how can, how can we do it? You know, I think this is something maybe, um, I don't know, people think about and, you know, for me, and I think for many people, I really tell them like, you know, chanting really helps you do that like really helps you not act up on on things you don't want to uh act up on. So next time you get cut off, you know, maybe you still get that anger, but you have the control and you have like you're kind of in the state of mind where it's like, yeah, I'm not going to let that bother me today, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just yeah, focus on what I need to do. And you have these kind of small actions, right? So maybe you get fired at your job, like a really extreme one. You know, a lot of people, I mean, that's, that's pretty, that can be pretty intense, right? 
But maybe you're like, you know, you chanted and, you know, you kind of study, you read some encouragement about, I don't know, like, you know, not, not being defeated, you know, and to maybe there's this concept also like change poison into medicine, which essentially means, you know, your obstacles are an opportunity for you to be even happier. Right. So, mm. so you maybe, maybe you read that and then you're like, okay, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to be defeated. I'm going to look for another job and I'm going to be like five, like 10 times a better worker. Right. So I think these kind of small accumulations, that's human revolution because you're changing yourself. You're changing the aspects of your life that you don't like. You know, I, I mean, to be honest, like I still have sometimes, I mean, it's not as much. Sometimes I still have that tendency come out, you know, where I seek happiness or I kind of am seeking the approval of others. But because I really had, you know, the opportunity to practice and, you know, to, to chant and study, like I can recognize it. Like, you know, like in like five, 10 minutes, I'm like, hey, Brandon, you're doing this again. Like, you really need to, like, you know, really what remember, like, what is your happiness is like inside you. So I think that's what human revolution is, Mm -hmm. you know, to me. And that's how I would kind of explain it. Yeah, I love that. That's such a great and clear um, explanation. And it takes me back to the quote you shared about um, it's okay if you don't have friends now, but like focus on becoming a fine person. Um, Because, yeah, you could replace friends with anything like you could replace Brandon in high school with friends to Brandon just got fired and needs to get a job to whatever yeah. is next. Um, yeah. And it's really like focus, focus on yourself. And I'm encouraged to hear that, like your approach, even after losing that job was, okay, I'm going to just read 15 pages every day. And chant. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, wow. Okay. This is all super helpful and encouraging and, and clear. So thank you for sharing all of it. Um, I have one final question, um, which is what I always close the show with, um, which is a piece of advice. So just, you know, based on this kind of theme that we're talking about and the experiences that you've shared, if there's someone listening who's like pretty new to Buddhism, um, what piece of advice would you give them, especially if they're struggling with kind of similar challenges of like seeking approval from others or, or seeking kind of happiness from an external source or circumstance? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. So I have two things. Yeah. So one, to have some kind of consistency of of reading some reading something, right? Because I think, I mean, at least in my experience, you know, I reach, you know, I talk to other um, young men that practice, and I think chanting consistently for most of them that's pretty easy. But when you ask them. Do you chant? Do you, how often do you study? They're like, yeah, maybe one page a week, you know? So in this Buddhism, right, they talk about, um, you know, chanting and it's both practice and study. Without those, Buddhism can't exist, right? Hmm. So it's not just chanting, right? It's study too. So I think the first thing is you try to have some consistency. And if you want to even take it a step further, I would encourage you to find like one book. So, you know, for me, that's maybe it's discussions on youth or maybe that's human revolution. Right. And to maybe read both of them. And I think, you know, through that, you can really deepen your understanding about this practice. You, It's like I kind of in one sense, it's like study to Buddhist study to me. It's like it gives you the best context clues for your life. You know, it's like mm-hmm. when something happens, you have you kind of go back. Oh, I, I studied something that was related to this. 
right? The second thing is, you know, to have one, you know, find one person like that practices, that you can feel like you could share anything, like you could open up about anything with them. You know, unfortunately, books can't talk to you. <laughs> um, I mean, you can read them. I mean, they're great, but, you know, it kind of helps sometimes, right, to have uh, to have someone and they can kind of give you their, um, you know, perspective um, and things like that. So, so my two things summarize it up. So study, read, read something consistently. Um, doesn't have to be 15 pages. It can be like one or two, you know, just have a rhythm, right? And then two is find one person where you can just open up to them about anything. What I loved about Brandon's story is how straightforward it was. We need to believe in ourselves to be happy. We need good friends who can help us stay true to our dreams. And we need dreams that we're excited about. This kind of life is the opposite of one ruled by a desire to impress others or be liked by them. But getting stuck in that cycle is something many of us deal with. Hearing Brandon talk reminded me that bootability is something that can be applied to any situation. By chanting and striving to apply Buddhist philosophy to our daily lives, we can create wonderful relationships, careers, and find our own unique way to make positive contributions to the world. It all starts within. We've also covered this topic quite a bit on the site, so you can explore more at bootability.org. As always, if you want to get in touch or learn about your local Buddhist community, you can email us at connect at sgi-usa.org. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.